0: I can't miss. Diamonds on the on my What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Blazers Edge podcast. I am your host, Danny Morang. And well, this week, I got a special guest from the athletic NBA analyst, former I want to say is a is director of research for the Milwaukee Bucks. A director uh, of
1: basketball. Basketball
0: research. research. My, my mistake. I got to make yeah. sure it's, it's not just research. It's basketball no. research. Seth Barton, now. Uh, if you want to get smarter about basketball, if you want to understand uh, what analytics really are, I highly recommend follow him on Twitter. Uh, probably some of the best threads out there over the years. I've stalked him for a long time. I've been trying to get him on the podcast for a while. And uh, mostly just finally said, hey, man, you want to hop on? And he said, yes. So Seth, thanks for joining us, man. Absolutely. All right, so I want to get right into this. You put out an article the other day that was something that I've been kicking around a lot um, with with other folks about, particularly Portland's offense, the, the whole idea of what is or isn't a good shot, um, and a lot of people probably know the general vagueness of what second spectrum is and how it's used, but... Do me a favor and kind of you've, you've obviously at the NBA level worked with the uh, type of software and, and uh, machine learning and capabilities that are out there that aren't available on the public side. Can you kind of break that down for, for, for the listeners? It, what exactly it's aiming to accomplish?
1: Sure. So since 2013-14, the NBA has had uh, started out as four is now six kind of special cameras in the kind of the uh, the gantry area, I guess, of, of every arena and the roof of every arena that essentially take uh, 25 frames per second, uh, get the position of all 10 players, uh, you know, horizontal uh, vertical axis looking down at the floor uh, and kind of so XY coordinates of all 10 players and XYZ coordinates of the ball. Uh, 25 times a second over the course of the game, and then from that, uh, that's you know called player tracking data. And then from that, uh, a company called Second Spectrum uh, out of Los Angeles is sort of the leading company, and they they now actually are the league's raw data provider now as well. But they're sort of the the company that has put the most uh, kind of engineering time into um, really pulling out events from that that you know what they call moving dots. Uh, and that allows you to see situations in a basketball game at a much more uh, granular uh, granular level than you know obviously play by play, or even if you're familiar with like you know uh, synergy kind of the the uh, some some manually tagged you know film software. It does it does it allows you to go far deeper than that and lets you, you know, okay, find it. Let me watch every pick and roll in a game. Let me watch every pick and roll just where uh, the defense iced the pick and roll, just where the defense iced and the ball handler shot and, you know, down all the way down. Um, and, and within the confines of shot quality, I think that we, I think anyone who watches basketball for any length of time, you have a good sense for, what is and isn't a good shot. And with these, with the sort of tracking data, you can actually quantify those things and the things that make a shot easier or harder are basically exactly the things you think they would be Uh, the closer to the basket. You are the easier, the shot, the less you're moving when you shoot the ball, the easier, the shot, the farther the defense is away from you, the easier, the shot, a catch and shoot is easier than an off the dribble shot and so on and so forth. And, and just, using some, you know, um, complicated, but simple in concept algorithms to kind of measure what an NBA player, a a quote unquote average NBA player would shoot on a given shot attempt gives you kind of a, uh, you know, the expected effective field goal percentage, essentially on a given shot Um, is I think the two minute description. No, that's perfect. And I wanted to tag on one thing because I
0: think uh, the, the diehards know what second spectrum is. They know what synergy is. I don't think they necessarily know what the divergence is. And you kind of laid that out. And the, and I th- you went into this at least a little bit uh, in, in the article, but the understanding of like where an event happens, actually not in the article, but in, in here when you're describing it, the difference in synergy is somebody's manually sitting there watching it and mm-hmm. e- editing and, and saying, this is a pick and roll where the ball handler is, uh, drove right, you know, and that, that it, it's a sliding pecking order, uh, slotting order, basically this it, it's event tracking. Right. And with second spectrum, it's once an event has happened, it's told, and this is where machine learning comes in and you're telling it that's this event. And it now knows that that when this, when X, Y, and Z happen,
1: that event is now logged. Correct. Yeah, that's that, that's pretty close. So there's two there's two pieces I think I would add on to that. The first is, um, because of the way kind of synergy operates, it, you're only getting kind of the the situations that end a play. Mm-hmm. So if you're watching all of a guy's pick and roll possessions in synergy, you're you're that's you're not watching every time the guy runs a pick and roll. You're watching shot pass the pick, turnover. Yeah, you're watching the, like the play ending pick and rolls. Where if you're gonna watch. Every time a guy runs a pick and roll in second spectrum, you're going to see the plays where a guy comes off a ball screen, kicks to the corner, nothing happens, and they reset and run offense again. But that's still a a pick and roll that was run. It matters. And you'll see how a guy operated. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um, And if I I can, the second part of that is um, because this is more of an automated fashion, you talked about uh, uh, Synergy, someone is logging it. If you discover later that you've kind of been doing it slightly wrong you have to go back and manually do it whereas <laughs> if you figure out a way in these these, these algorithmic kind mm-hmm. of event identifying things if you found find out that you've been doing it slightly wrong and want to change something you recode something press a button and not only does it get the one you're looking at but it goes back to the beginning of time everything. and and updates everything so it, 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 it's it's very powerful in that way because. You know, as I learn a new thing to track today, I don't just track it going forward from today. I can look back to 99.5% of NBA games going back, you know, seven years and find every time that's happened in that time span.
0: And it's, it's the, um, the whole idea of knowing what you're looking for. It's one yes. thing to be looking at something um, simply. If, you, so if you're if you looking for a pick and roll but you're not looking for some sort of hesitation or uh, a, a screener coming up and changing an angle, just that little minute detail all of a sudden changes how you may look or frame it. That It may have a, a new vernacular because of a way a, a, a screener is changing the angle later in, in, into the pick and roll. It's just something really minute and stupid, but it may actually matter about what they're trying to achieve in a goal. So you can make those adjustments and track those lines back. And that's, what's really important in that, you can have that line of consistency all the way through, which is what I kind of wanted to get to here as far as how you laid out this article that you put together. Now we have the framework we're working in, which we're talking about shot quality, particularly mm-hmm. as it pulling, pulling data from second spectrum, who is shooting, who is defending, what's the score, how much time is remaining in the game, uh, how much times on the shot clock? How tightly is a player being guarded? And then, like you said, you threw in here for those who scribe to the hot hand theory to some degree, how well has a player been shooting, which we'll use that to springboard into a question a listener had about Carmelo Anthony here in a little bit. But under this framework, Seth, I want to shift this kind of towards the Portland Trailblazers, because over the years, um, Portland has had a pretty damn consistent offense. Um even without running sets and plays regularly, it's a it's a flow offense where primary pick and roll DHO action between CJ McCollum, Damian Lillard, and they are both guys that I think, or I'm, I'm almost certain, perform above expected shot quality yeah. quite regularly. <laughs> yes, <laughs> can you no, kind they, of go into in, into why that is what that is?
1: Yeah. So, um, for starters, uh, generally speaking, stars have harder or in the, describe it as lower shot quality than, you know, uh, other players, because if you're, it, it is harder to, I have the ball in my hands. I'm going to create a shot for myself. That puts you in harder situations. The defense is like by definition, closer uh, you're more likely shooting a pull-up uh, you know, you're, you're probably moving into the shot more often. So yeah, the guys who are the the high usage scores tend to have uh lower shot quality and then the good high usage scores are guys who consistently outperform that low shot quality especially guys uh like Dame to some extent I mean he shoots enough threes that his shot quality remains pretty high uh prior to this year um I, CJ took a took a lot of kind of tough range shots but was very good at them mm-hmm. so was a guy who also like had among the 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 lower quote-unquote shot quality in the league uh but performed a you know well above average because he's one of the you know the great shot makers in, in especially unlike you know from the mid-range areas uh in the game today and, and you, you highlight that in specific though yeah. not just cj
0: but the way that that bar needs to line up is you may have a league average shot quality shot expectancy at certain spots on the floor, whether it's inside the paint in the mid range at the three point line, but player specific shot quality should vary because you're, you're dealing with different levels of shot takers and shot makers.
1: Yeah. And that's, and that's actually something that gets really complicated. And I don't mm-hmm. think anyone's really solved it very well yet because you know, you're basically, okay, what does, what does the, what would an a league average player shoot on this shot? Well you've got for for the vast majority of kind of shots you can come up with at this point you have thousands and thousands of pretty similar shots that have been taken yeah. over over you know the last you know the last seven eight years um, you start to get into the specifics um, and it's it's you know okay what what is what kind of shot is this kind of shot for CJ McCollum and then the more specifically you define that, the fewer of them there mm-hmm. are. So you don't really know like okay well he's taken you know if you want to okay a left to right crossover step back mm-hmm. from 19 feet at the right elbow how many times has he taken that shot in his career yeah the the, the, the
0: hundred of times versus the tens of thousands right of right times but so
1: but and so but what part of that shot is shots like that is it the spot on the floor is it the dribble move is it is there something else
0: is there a release angle which
1: yeah all, the, is, all this stuff is accounted for right and and but so to, to figure out how to actually categorize that shot for an individual player in such a way to say for CJ McCollum, that is a 53% shot. That's really difficult because Mm -hmm. again, what is a shot like that for CJ McCollum? So the, so the uh, player specific models are much more difficult. So I, I kind of as much as you would like to like reduce it down to one number, I think it's, it's at this point still, okay, that's a, you know, CJ McCollum takes, 45% 45% expected shots from the mid range, but he's a plus seven shot. I'm, and I'm just making these numbers up yeah. right now, but this, this is, uh, this is approximate, but he's a plus seven in, in terms of his shot making on those shots. And that's a, a fuller way to describe him than to try to say that's a 52% shot for CJ McCollum. Cause you just don't know.
0: Basically the, the delineation of player X is better than player Y by this much uh, just showing off what, even the limited sample size. I think that yeah. the, the simpler way to kind of put put a tag on that, at least, you, you could have saved so much time. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just to trying to put this for, for yeah. me because yeah, I, I understand a fair amount of this stuff. I mean, but being able to to take so much information, which you you I mean you literally did this for a living. And be able to put it in a usable form. The, the the effort and the legwork that is necessary, that has been necessary, really over what the last fifteen years as we've evolved. from, what was it, oh six or 07, that the first second spectrum data started
1: really started coming out on the public side? Oh man, no way, way later than that. Um, I, I don't remember when the first sport 3 did, In terms of when it first became publicly available, usable. 2013. Yeah, 2013-14 yeah, yeah. is when they when the the like the the league had had tracking data on the entire league there had there had been partial coverage Mm -hmm. of the league for a a couple years before that but no one really knew what it was (laughs) until around around 2013-14 i mean do we still do we know what it is yet uh (laughs) sort of sort of we 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 know the shape but we don't know everything that's inside there you go
0: yeah
1: (laughs) um you you keep keeping it blazer specific you talked about
0: um how much of the floor is usable scorable area? And with the exception of guys like Damian Lillard and Steph Curry, who have exponential range, was it 1250 square feet of, of 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 area that you work with offensively, or
1: take. Give a take. Give or take. You get you get into like, okay, how much of the area behind the backboard do, do, do teams worry about guarding? Mm-hmm. Do we count that or not? Uh, how far up the floor? Um, Mike Prade and I were 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 having a back and forth on this. Is like, okay. You can you can run offense by like, you know, you set a you set like a drag screen at 35 feet. The defense has to worry about that. Are they having to guard that area? And you can go either way on that. And so I was I was saying that more that that the defense has to worry about defending that area just from the standpoint of where shots are likely to come from. The, so, the closer that you get to the rim, the more higher the expectancy for a shot yeah well and and just the more likely it is someone is to actually shoot Mm -hmm. um like like i said you know there's guys who you even care about shooting at 30 feet probably number somewhere between two and four give or take whether you worry about trey young and eric gordon shooting Mm -hmm. out that far
0: so when you're taking a look at guys like that um and how it pertains to portland What does having one of those guys who consistently will take, I think so far this season that Dame had taken, I believe, 15, 30 foot plus threes or made, excuse me, 30 foot plus threes. um, Heading into this recording this before the bulls game in the afternoon. So heading into game 18. So basically a little less than one a game.
1: Um, And what is like, not to, not to quibble, but, but I, um, but I will. Um, oh, depending cool, cool on the cool way no but no but depending on the data source you're, you're working with that 30 foot number is if you're working from like like nba shot chart and play-by-play data especially for a player with reputation for shooting from deep are you, are you saying that there may be some home cooking in those books <laughs> you, you know it's 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 you know it's a 30 foot is a 27 it footer it's deep yeah. but it's not that deep um, so, I, I think you consistently find when you not all from, logos are the same. Yeah, no, but when you go from looking at like where stuff like that is recorded in play by play data versus where it is, you know, recorded more objectively in kind of uh, tracking data, you tend to find that there's a little, a little fudging on the, uh, uh, especially for shots that go in. Oh, you, 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 no way. Like, yeah, like the I I think that let's put it that way. That logo shot is more likely to be a twenty-seven foot three if it misses. Um, Interesting in, how that in the, the the, works in there. Yeah.
0: yeah well, yeah. I mean, I'd expect nothing less. I mean, these are the same bookkeepers that got Russell Westbrook more triple doubles than God. So um, it's 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 a, a league wide. Uh, I wouldn't call it a problem, but it's a league wide yeah. trend. Let's go it, with that.
1: It, it, it it's it's one of those things that like Damian Lillard can shoot from really far out, and you have to mm-hmm. guard him. Like yeah. I think that's that's the takeaway. And that's that's really what matters more
0: than, than the actual distance itself. And that kind of springboards into, into what I, I wanted to get to here with, with the listener question. I want to make sure I get it right. Uh, At Scott PTB 30. He was really interested in asking about the whole idea of shot quality developing through one player in particular. And I'm sure some people are going to love this. And that is a one Carmelo Anthony and, when we're talking about Carmelo Anthony, obviously we're talking about high usage, high volume, and working in a region that um, has been kind of marred as inefficient uh, as far as the mid range. When in reality, if you're good at it, it just doesn't matter. Like if you're CJ McCollum, if you're Kevin Durant, if you're Kyrie Irving, take the damn mid range shot. Um, it's it's that uh, it's that good for those guys.
1: I I could hear you warming up. What do what do you got? Um- it's okay for those guys. It's um it, like the 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 goal, like those guys, first of all, because of the shot clock, sometimes that's the shot you end up with. Yes. But also you get to that area to make the defense guard that area to make the corners, to make the above the to break, open, through, the to make the so. basket area. Yeah. So it's it's sort of it's it's a little bit of a price is right thing where you want to take just enough mid range shots so that they guard it without going over. Um, and the guys who should take those shots more than others are your high usage stars, because they're going to be the best at those. And that's really, um, you know, when you talk about the three point revolution that hasn't changed mm-hmm. the shots that have become threes are um it's, it's good I'm on a, a Trailblazers podcast because the shot that's gone away is mm-hmm. always in mind's eye, is Jerome Kersey taking a baseline 18-footer. <laughs> that like, that shot, like a catch-and-shoot 18-footer, yeah. that shot's a corner three now. That shot's a wing three now, a catch-and-shoot wing three. It's the, it's the same, but it's the same kind of relatively limited players who have relied on someone else to create a shot for them.
0: They're it's just taking just their, a step
1: back. They're, yeah, they're standing in a different area of the court. The operating in the mid range from your, 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 your best player. That's only the, the, to the only extent that that has changed a little bit is guys like Damon Steph, who are now not operating at 19 feet. They're operating at 25 feet and can make that shot. But the, the star players are still taking those shots at very similar rates than they were 20 years ago.
0: And that exists because like you said, you still need to bend the defense. Uh, Take a a player like a Derek Jones Jr., a guy who needs to kind of have a shot created for him. He may not be working that same 18-foot spot like Jerome Kersey. Instead, he is ducked in into that dunker spot and running underneath that, you know, behind that backboard and coming off those situations when a player like a Damian Lillard or a C.J. McCollum is able to attack that mid-range and pull that paint defender out one or two feet and find something on a weak side or on a backside of a play. That's where
1: that kind of worse, or For better or worse, he's shooting a corner three
0: which is, it's it's taking away even though that space is viable offensively as spacing exists but the ability to use that space and
1: right. not necessarily occupy it is that is that the yes. proper way to frame it yeah i think i think so it's again if you're you're not thinking about i think Talking about not occupying that space is, I think, the perfect way of of looking at it because you know offense is not a static thing; it's it's players are moving, and so mm-hmm. yeah, you're using that that space as a pathway to the basket, hopefully, as opposed yeah. to standing there.
0: Yeah, and that's it. Kind of gets to where we're, where we're, where we're at with Carmelo Anthony. He he got hot in a game. This is perfect as far as like the hot hand theory. Portland went to him. I want to say it was six straight possessions. And he scored on, I want to say four out of the six, and then got to the free throw line of a fifth. When that kind of situation happens, when you're we talk about the, like Portland running their offense through that, analytically and, and shot quality, everything is kind of looking at that. Is there a proper way to frame that to where you can kind of go back and forth between running an offense versus a mid post isolation and consistently stay dedicated to it? Is there, is there like, basically, is is there a way to quantify that?
1: I mean, I think you start to look at like what shots the team is getting. I think the sort of his best years in New York were, yeah, Melo operated from the mid post and everyone else shot a bunch of threes and layups. Um, so yeah, that, 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 that works fine. Like he's sort of the, he's almost like the sin eater for the offense where he, he, he takes those, he takes those shots and makes him at at a decent enough clip so that like teams. So nobody else has to take those shots. Nobody. Yeah. Nobody else has to take them because teams rightly or wrongly react to him in that area. Um, and I think, you know, for Portland now and for where Carmelo is in his career, um, my guess is that most teams are going to be like let him cook you know if if we're going to lose because carmelo anthony banged six straight jab step 19 footers okay um I, I i think that 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 enough coaches and enough teams are willing to be the house uh, in the game <laughs> that that that's like make her miss league he made a bunch of shots good for him which you,
0: you had kind of highlighted in, in, in the article, the whole idea of being able to differentiate between the make
1: or miss league and how to yeah on that. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? So, I mean, it, it's essentially NBA players are good enough that they can make really hard shots at any given time. Uh, and some of the even an NBA three-pointer is far enough away that uh, the best players in the league are going to miss it more than half the time. Like oh you got to make that I was like well okay that's like, Seth Curry is the only player in, <laughs> in 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 the tracking data era who has made more than half of his uncontested threes which is obscene, yeah like that's you think about that that that's you know you you I think that also speaks to the difference between shooting at game speed and just shooting around like mm-hmm. you watch NBA big guys and. You they know, all can Dwight Howard yeah. Stephen Adams they're canning threes in practice yeah. in
0: warm-ups that's a guy
1: yeah. guys that yeah. are non-shooters you, you spend enough time around an NBA court you can make you can make spot shots yeah. like you you know you go to the you know you 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 work in a front office you get on the court enough <laughs> you can you can make <laughs> spot shots like so uh, you, you know that the, that's not it's it's making them at game speed is uh is is a much different thing. But the point the point of that being, um, you know, okay, the best players are gonna shoot in the mid 40s on that. That means more than half the time they miss. Um, was that when they miss, was that your good defense, or is that just it happened that time? You know, you they, you give them 10 of those shots, they're gonna make four or five of them. Tonight they made two. Is that you play better defense? Tonight they made seven. Did you play worse defense? No, just like that happens. Like that would happen if you're flipping a coin. It happens with, with you know, basketball shots. That's which, variance. Yeah, it's exactly. And, you know, it's not from a, you know, physics standpoint, it's not strictly random, but from the standpoint of what we can perceive, it's... Random enough. Random enough, yeah. So
0: this kind of leads down two different paths. One, we're going to talk about overall uh, three-point shooting uh, luck and uh, contests. Portland has been this year... Uh, the team that has contested the least amount of field goals in the NBA an uh, unsurprising fashion um, when you're fielding a six foot one, Damian Lillard, a six foot three, CJ McCollum, uh, and then Ennis Cantor and Carmelo Anthony um, featuring for roughly 30 minutes a night, getting out and contesting looks, not something that you get a ton of, but also Portland, their defense this year with as much discussed changes has tried to limit shots at the rim uh, and shots at the three-point up, uh, you know, above the break. Yet they're getting murdered in the corners. How can a team – and this, this is something that, that the Raptors and I believe the Bucs uh, defensively try to do as well, but obviously they do it a whole hell of a lot better. Um, why is it so much more important, at least as far as contests and, and valuing shots in particular locations, or why have these coaches made these changes at least, to want to basically value the middle of the floor more and not necessarily give up the corner three because I, I think it was you'd say that, that corner threes are they're more often. Oh, like was it eighty percent or more? Uh, it's closer closer to ninety percent that they're they're wide open no matter what. Yeah, yeah. And is that a
1: function of an offense or is that more of a function of a defense or both? Um, I think I mean I think that's primarily a function of of just geometry. I mean, you think anywhere else around the arc, you you probably have multiple guys who can rotate to that spot. Um, if the defense breaks down to the point where guys open in the corner who's rotating to that
0: you have got the the 20 foot closeout pretty much no matter you yeah
1: you have yeah. got either the guy coming from under the basket which is maybe not awesome or you've got a guy like closing from you know an angle to the side whereas anywhere else in the court you've got guys at the nail you've got guys at the elbow you've got you know a guy can come from the middle of the floor and and close out to you know anywhere with relative success yeah with with you know a couple steps Whereas the corner is just a little, it's a, it's, if you've come off the corner, it's a little bit further away. And also I think it's, you know, you're not throwing the ball to the guy in the corner unless he's open. So, so those catches it's a little bit chicken to, egg. Yeah. Those catches tend to be more open because someone has have to have pulled off the corner for it. Like, cause you know, you're in the corner, you're being guarded by two sidelines also. So you don't exactly want the ball there with a, with defense also. Um, no,
0: that makes sense as far as framing. Is that why, I guess I kind of maybe perhaps yeah. answer that question at least, you see so many teams, good defensive teams, trying to take away more the middle of the floor, where the higher usage, higher volume offense is coming from, even though the higher expectancy return is in the corners?
1: Um, it, it, it's, it, it gets very complicated. I think giving up the corner three is much more often a function of having had a breakdown somewhere else. Because you know, you like if the guy's in the corner standing, you know where he is. If you're in kind of good shell defensive position, mm-hmm. that's not a tough closeout. So what happened to draw you off of that position? The
0: rotation. And yes, so usually sir.
1: if you yes. find a guy open in the corner, it's not the guy who's guarding the corner shooter who screwed up. There's a breakdown somewhere else that caused rotation that caused that defender to have to help in the middle. Yeah. Or something like that. Which is where so, we're getting
0: towards with Portland um, having Carmelo Anthony and Ennis Cantor on the floor defensively at the same time.
1: <laughs> yeah. Maybe, maybe just a little yeah. bit, Maybe a little bit, a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I, I, so I think that there's, there's two, there's kind of two different things like, like Toronto actually does give up a lot of corner threes mm-hmm. for the most part since uh, Mike Budenholzer, Holder, excuse me, Mike Budenholzer has been there. The Bucks have actually like not given up a ton of corner threes, given up more above the break threes, mm-hmm. especially to kind of, um, big guys who they've kind of like okay you can we're, we're we're gonna live keep our, this. Yeah, we'll live with it yeah we'll live with that that's a that's that's okay um and um and that calculation is made in large part because you know there are four things you're trying to do as a defense really I mean if you from a statistical standpoint it's you get back to uh Dean Oliver's four factors is you're yep. you know you're trying to you know hold down the other team's shooting efficiency you're trying to force turnovers you're trying to avoid sending the team to the free throw line and you're you're trying to limit offensive rebounds. Um, if you let the other team get to the basket, you might force a few more turnovers because there's more congestion, mm-hmm. but you're going to foul a lot more and you're going to give up a lot more offensive rebounds. So by kind of protecting the paint first, you're first of all taking away the highest value area of the court from a It's your foundation, basically. Yeah, from a from a shot efficiency standpoint, it's still like a dunk. A dunk is still the best shot. Mm-hmm. Shockingly. Um, so you're, you're limiting that. You are not fouling. You're not giving up offensive rebounds. Um, against professional teams, uh, will you take that trade off over giving up a few more decent looks from three? I don't think that's a hard argument to make. Now, the question is for teams that are doing that, or do you go too far? Um, are, you, are you selling out too much to protect the paint and now you're giving up too many shots above the break? And that's especially as teams are getting better at, sort of manipulating defense and, like, you know, figuring out how to trigger the help to the middle. But it's really a fake. So it's like, oh, I'm going to the basket just kidding. Here's an open three. And just kind of do that over and over again. We've seen that a lot uh, in Portland this
0: season uh, due to inconsistencies, I'd say, uh, both in personnel and uh, yeah. availability and uh, and maybe some defensive philosophies of not everybody being on the same page. which Or just not having, like –
1: I, I know we were going to get there, but I'll get there. No, now. no. Uh, you're I Literally, I was going just, to get there right now. It's like the Blazers have not good point of attack defense, yes. which like necessitates a lot of rotations. And part of what, you know, again, to, to compare with the Bucks, like you play an extreme drop scheme, you don't have to do a lot of rotation because, okay, the guy came off a ball screen and then he ran into Burke Lopez's chest. Everyone else stay home. Which is a lot like running um, into a phone booth. Every, okay, uh, the guy came off a ball screen. Uh, yeah, I, I, you know, a guy, a guy came off a ball screen. Uh, uh, someone died on a ball screen, so there's no rear, rear contest, and they're going downhill. At you know, Enes Kanter, or you know, frankly, like I think Yusuf Nurkic does some good things defensively, but Brooke Lopez, he isn't as a yeah. you know as an interior presence that's a different thing. And then all of a sudden, okay, well, Robert Covington's a really good health defender. So he's going to come help. Now he's rotated off a guy. Now someone else has to, and then all of a sudden, it's, you know, the ball, you know, ping pongs a couple of places and a guy is shooting an open three. Um, and it's, and it's not strictly because of the protect the paint at all costs philosophy so much as it is, you got put in, the other team got put in an advantage situation by the failure to guard that initial action with two or two and a half players. And instead of you, are guard, like you're acquiring three or three and a half players. And now you're um, doubling the output necessary to yeah. come or something. And that will break down basically after three. Yes. Times. Yeah, exactly. And there's just not enough. There just is not like, okay, maybe you can rotate effectively some possessions, but if you do it over and over again, you're going to tie your guys out and there's just going to be mistakes are going to get made and you're going to give up more open shots than the next team, which is, which is having to, you know, having to rotate and close out less often. Now getting into the, 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 the coaching side of this, the,
0: the scheme side of this is there, and this is, this is, I think the question that I get more often than anything we're, we're talking about Portland coaching and, and this team in general, in this era, the, the Dame Stotts kind of era, is there any level or let me phrase this better? Where is the line essentially between where coaching and scheme stops and personnel starts. Like where, where does that diverge enough to where it, is there a point to where there would be enough to cover up for those shortcomings at the point of attack?
1: I don't think, I don't think a line is the right way of, of, of talking about it. Like you can nudge. I just, I don't think that there there is not, there's not sufficient defensive acumen in Portland's roster for there to be much more than an average defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think like, I think Robert Covington's a very good defender. He's what he's not is a great on ball defender. Yeah. He's a, he's, he is one of the best. I mean, he's, you know, six, nine with super long Dumb arms. And, yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, and, and good timing and, and, and reading of the game to be able to get his hands on balls and steals and block shots and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but it's a weak side disruptor. Uh, yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, but, but, you know, you've got uh, Dame has never been a good defender. Mm-hmm. Um, CJ has been okay at times in his career, but sort of the, the downside of him being so great offensively to start this year is like, if you're doing that much offensively, you're not doing as much defensively. That's like demonstrable. Um, and, you know, and, and um, it gets a bad rap, but like, playing good offense is hard work mm-hmm. like like you know people used to you know they they were like oh james harden's lazy on defense no he's tired he's you just had yeah. to do everything for that team team on offense and you would hope he would be like less ostentatiously tired at times he, hands or, on hips watching a possession yeah. versus at least and, and, looking remotely engaged yeah. and and there were there were times okay. in, in houston where he stood productively i guess is the mm-hmm. way i put it uh and he's done so for, for for more often in in brooklyn mm-hmm. but the point is is, is he you know you, you guys doing that much on offense he's not going to be a stopper it's just it's just not especially so, when you're
0: talking about portland where you've yeah. got limited size it's the difference yeah. between Giannis working his ass off at seven foot god knows right. how much what is he 260 yeah i mean
1: he and can not guard the ball, size, ball either
0: yes he's a weak side guy yeah. as well but because of his size he can be more impactful when he does right. take those rest opportunities. Right. And that's something Portland is not afforded with their lineup structure.
1: Right. And then, you know, and and you know Derek Jones can do some things defensively, but again, he's not a uh he's put in some weird matchups because is he guarding the four? Is he guarding
0: that man is guarding, guarding everybody line. on a nightly basis? Yeah. He he is he is gone from guarding you know at point of attack when they're going three two or two three where he's not only up top but funneling and chasing which is fundamentally breaking his own because yeah. he has to but he's i'm giving Derek a pass because he you want to talk about carmelo anthony being the sin eater of the blazers offense uh, when those mid-range shots Derek jones jr has been the sin eater for them defensively especially with, with all of the injuries and even he's going to be out tonight right. um he has he has done enough at least for me like I'm going to pull this one back real quick, and then we'll we'll get into some Covington stuff. But Derek Jones Jr. and Robert Covington. There's a lot of people that are are even disappointed in them um, defensively, and you've you've highlighted here Dame's ineffectiveness, CJ's ineffectiveness, and obviously Ennis uh, Cantor, who tries hard, but it just doesn't have the mobility or or the size. Melo has for the most part not cared on that end of the floor for the majority of his career, and definitely as much so in Portland. Um, but asking those two guys to try to cover up for the mistakes at the point of attack. And then even when Nurkic was playing, he wasn't the Nurkic that was in the bubble, let alone the Nurkic that went down with a broken leg. Like That, that, that use of Nurkic from January to March uh, in 2019 was the best version of him that we'd ever seen. He was phenomenal uh, as, as a rim deterrent uh, eaten up in the paint, but he was playing off of guys like Harkos and me and those guys looked really good alongside him. Derek and Covington haven't had the opportunity to either play with Dame or CJ at their best defensively. They've, like you said, they both regressed uh, and then not ever having a, a paint anchor that really was even in shape yet. Hasn't allowed those guys to be what they need to be, which I think is a, not necessarily a bigger problem for them, but how those guys are, are then being utilized and and how they need to be utilized to cover up again for the sins of the others. Does that,
1: yeah, no, I, and I, think, I think, I think, I think over his time in Portland, Terry Stotts has preferred sort of a pretty conservative scheme. Mm-hmm. And I think it actually, in many ways, worked best with, uh, with Robin Lopez, almost. It, yes, just to, just to, you know, just to, okay, I'm not going to come out to you, you're going to run into me and you're going to fall down because I'm enormous. I guess. Um uh and they know, also
0: had more length in that time period too, because they had Lamarcus, they had Batum, and they had West. You didn't have you know smaller players up and right. down the lineup.
1: Right. No, and I, th- I think that's fair. And I think yeah, exactly like um, you know Aldridge as a four was an injury like especially before the league went primarily with spacing fours, mm-hmm. was a was a it was a you know a a sol- a very solid defensive addition especially you know considering he got every rebound because robin lopez knocked everyone down he, he, he boxed <laughs> out an entire team yes yeah. yeah so i mean so and and i think i think Nurkic can can be a part of a good defense and sort mm-hmm. of a a poor man's mark gasol kind of way can you see him being a, a paint anchor
0: if he returns to, to health and like is he gonna be in is he enough
1: I mean, he can be sort of big and in the way, but he's never been like a, like a, he's never really been an above average rim protector in and of himself. Mm -hmm. So again, in a otherwise solid defense, he could be a good positive cog because he reads the game well. He's got, he's got better feet than he's given credit for. And he's got good hands. Mm -hmm. So he can do some things defensively. It's just if you're, if you're, if you're, you know, you're opening the gate and, and, you know, turning the, turn you know turning the dogs loose go run downhill at him like you're trying to make him
0: flip his hips at the free throw line is a suboptimal yeah. move yeah.
1: yeah yeah i think that's that that,
0: that that's a good <laughs> way of putting it. yeah yeah hey, can you tell i've watched a few of these games um <laughs> now my my guy lord covington has, has been getting getting a lot of crap because he can't find the, the, the bottom of, of a basket right now I've been asked over and over and over and over again over the last six, seven games, are you worried? Are you worried? Are you worried? Tell me why I shouldn't be worried,
1: Seth. Mm. Okay. No, <laughs> it's it, you, you sh- like anytime a guy goes 20 games and doesn't make a shot and I'm exaggerating, you want to be a little worried. Well, just, you're, you're not far off. You're, yeah, he's, he's but, about
0: 15. So, yeah,
1: but, um, you know, by a lot of stuff he's been, you know, he, first of all, he's a pretty low usage player. So as long as like, from an offensive impact standpoint, as long as teams are still guarding him, he's actually still having a decent, like he's he's helping the offense in some ways that way. And like the percentage of shots that go in, they matter, of course, but it's, that becomes a bigger problem if teams just stop guarding him, which I'm not seeing any real, any, any evidence of, of that happening uh, uh just in terms of his, his, his shot profile he still he's he's long been a guy who's taken like some of the harder mix of threes in terms of of you know getting of shooting with with you know close defensive attention and that's still happening it just um neither his open shots nor his contested shots are going in as well as they have for most of his career and that you know that that happens um the the question is like it's not unheard of for the wheels to just fall off for a guy. And he's, he's not a spring chicken. Um, so if
0: he's not a spring chicken, what the hell does that make us?
1: Yeah. Well, (laughs) you know, all right, but you know, but, but, uh, you know, a a strong voice is good old man skills. There you go. (laughs) Um, so you worry about it, but at the same time it's like, okay, well we've got, you know, six, seven, eight years of, of a guy being a, a solid if not uh, if not elite shooter versus you know a, a month and a bit of of cold shooting the only hesitancy i, I have here because i'm probably 95 percent of the way
0: with you here is that his time in houston was also pretty similar to what we've seen here as far as some inconsistency and he's never been a guy who uh, is you know a, a metronome just tick 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 and you just kind of count on him he, he's had some variance certainly within his games yeah. but if there's anything that, that makes me pause for a split second is this perhaps the beginning of a
1: downtrend as he gets older i mean we're in in houston we're we're talking a not huge number of shots mm-hmm. you know he, he he got there and played eight games or something before we like, I don't remember off the top of my head, but it was, he, he did not get like a full run in Houston before, before, you know, the league shut down. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we can, we can talk about the weirdness of stats from the bubble or not, but like, just like, just come go with me that, that they were weird. And, and I'm Listen, not sure what
0: the, to the research on that in 10 years is going to be.
1: Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> um So yeah, no, if you, I mean, if you want to take over his last 250 shots, it's been not pretty that's not that much still especially when you look at his volume over his career right it, you it's, know, it's, it's a, not a blip but it's enough to go okay but press on like okay he shot just under 28 percent so far this year mm-hmm. from three like is he going to shoot 40 percent the rest of the way no he's never done that for a season is he going to shoot 34 35 36 the rest of the year yeah i think that's you know that's that I think that's a reasonable expect. Now he's gonna that, that means he's gonna end the year shooting about 32 or 33, mm-hmm. which you know is not awesome. But again, as long as teams are guarding him, that matters more because he is a very, like, again, a very low usage player who, so, who
0: fits into just about any scheme, yeah, in the league. So, right, the, the value in and his. Uh, je ne sais quoi let's say uh, on the basketball court um stands out as long as again and this kind of even ties back to the Carmelo anthony stuff as long as people are paying enough attention within the that particular moment does it is it okay does it does it matter you know um i, I want to kind of wrap it up with this you have said portland's a bit of a hard watch right now with all of the injuries and everything that's kind of going on Tough it, it is and I mean even for me it's 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 it, there's so many things you have to put qualifiers on and uh, moral victories and those like <laughs> you're looking for the little things is there is there anything that portland can do in general to s- basically stem the tide to make it to the point where they will be okay enough when they get nurk when they get cj back when God, Derek is back and Covington's back. Basically, you know, four of their five starters. Uh, John back.
1: Collins. Does <laughs> anyone remember him?
0: Zach Collins. We, trust that me. Zach Collins. That trust Collins? me. Excuse you me. say you say John Collins, and you're going to make everybody's eyes light, and yeah. light up in Portland. Like, but yeah, yeah that's Zach the Collins, thing. Sorry, yeah. No, no, it's, and it's okay because that's more often than not, people are telling me that they took the wrong Collins. So. um but it's, I, I like, I like Zach Collins
1: if he could stay healthy. I think he's he's a rotation
0: like, level player. There's no doubt wait, about
1: that. I know. I mean, if you, if you, like, he is more of a he, he, I think, projects to be more of a, a, a rim anchor than Nurkic would be. Interesting. It, again, assuming health, mm-hmm. which is, you know, it, that that's sort of a tough spot to be in because, you know, a, a ring anchor is also a rim anchor is also a little bit of a crash test dummy. <laughs> so a guy who can't stay healthy is like, Ey. um, but yeah,
0: but yeah, you, again, you're talking about Portland right now over the last four games has missed uh, at one point or another four, of their five starters.
1: Yeah. That that's, Oh, you lose. That's, that's, that's how it works in the NBA.
0: Right. I, I, I'm getting some people because they, they, they're, they I think they're, they're tired of the, this, this era, the, it's been good. Don't get me wrong, yeah. but the, they're becoming too familiar in that. Uh, coaching is the bigger problem right now that somehow you can coach up uh, Carmelo Anthony. You can coach up NS Cantor. You can coach up Damian Lillard and Gary Trent Jr. And Anthony Simons and Nasir Little and Harry Giles. And they, they should win games. Please explain to people why that's not true.
1: (laughs) I mean, it's, 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 you're welcome to think that. (laughs) It's just, you know, you're, if you're, you know, the NBA is a talent league and if you're operating in a talent deficit, like you don't win. Like you, it, it, Damon said, like how, how well did, you know, before Draymond came back this year, how well did Steph Curry and some guys, how, how good did that look for, for golden state?
0: was those what about uh, nine games of just pure drudgery.
1: Yeah. So it's like, you know, and I, I you know, I, I think it, probably people in Portland are tired of, of having Dame compared to Steph negatively. But the, the the that's the straightest line you can
0: draw between two yeah. guys in the league when you're talking about that level.
1: Yeah, it's it's, it's you know, it's it, like Dame and some guys is not a good team. It's just not. I don't yeah. know how to like. And, you know, there's some of those guys are are are, you know, I I kind of wonder, like, should we be seeing more Gary Trent's? Um, I mean, not that's that he's that's not, true.
0: Even even before the injuries, like, Yeah, he
1: he should be. And not that he's like, you know, who's the quote unquote better player between Trent and somebody else. That's not really the point. It's, it's again, you're, you're starting with, you know, if you, okay, you're penciling in Dame and CJ as your first two starters. Who's guarding the ball? Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, Gary Trent probably is, is, not probably. I think it's fairly safe to say that Gary Trent is a significantly better point of attack defender than either of those two players. So maybe that, like, okay, is, like, and plus he's a better floor spacer than Derek Jones, so maybe mm. that makes more sense. Um, I don't, but that's like again, that's a, that, that that's a quibble. And, the, the moving, the moving in the margins. Yeah, it's you in and like big picture, you just you don't have enough available talent, um, and there doesn't seem to be like. At a certain point, you just kind of accept where you are, and then you like, okay, we're probably not gonna win some games, so let's make these gate losses productive. Which is in turn, and, you're seeing 25 to 28
0: plus minutes a night for Gary Trent Jr., for Anthony Simons, for
1: Perry Giles, for yeah. Jasir Little. And and by the way, like even if those like that's valuable, even if those guys are bad. Mm-hmm. If, if then you if, know if, they're bad yes if 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 Noss Little plays 25 minutes a game and stinks that's a better outcome than him riding the bench the rest of the season because you know you, you, can, I, you can you can make you, you can you, make this actual decisions yes because that's a that's a position that
0: Portland is in right now is that calls they do not know if he is a a a backup big or a starting big because he is not going to play basketball for essentially two years
1: yeah. And that's, you know, that's not a, that's not a, a, a fault of, of, of not a choice. Of anybody. They're, yeah. No, but yeah. that's,
0: that's a problem that they, that they have yes. run into. And that's why n- that, that kind of intel matters.
1: Yeah. No, just like having, being able to, you know, and I don't want to call this a lost season for the Blazers or anything like that. I mean, it's, 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 it's bordering it's, on it. It really it is. is. And, and, you know, if you wanted to take, if you want to take some solace and say, well, it's because we got whacked by the injury stick. Fine whatever whatever helps you know yeah, yeah whatever i mean it happens you know if you flip a coin it goes it lands tails twice in a row one time in four it, it, not, not important happens.
0: that that coin lands that way a lot in portland i don't know if you, i don't know if you know
1: <laughs> well i mean you know every every fan base thinks they're cursed except for the lakers who you know, oh, I know. Were, were born on third base but we won't talk about that um uh, no no Lakers. slander is always appropriate uh, here Seth. Uh, my i yeah um where was I? No. So yeah, no, like if, if it's, if the season is bordering on that, then yeah, like you can, you need to get something from these games Mm -hmm. and, and like figuring out like, is Harry Giles someone we want around? Is Anthony, is Anthony Simons like, you know, a guy who is, who we should be talking about, like, you know, contract extensions about Mm -hmm. With is, you know, what's, what is Gary Trent's next deal? look Like what, like you have to figure these things out. You, um, And, you know, and deciding that this is, this is something that um, across sports and certainly across the NBA, there is, there's a little bit of a sunk cost fallacy and like, well, we've invested so much in this guy, Mm -hmm. we can't cut bait. It's like, no, you've invested a lot. You you learned what you could learn and, and, you know, um, hopefully, you know, we, we gave you, we gave it a shot and didn't work out and hopefully you catch on somewhere else and it's great you know, hopefully go with God hopefully, uh, hopefully, not no, hopefully, that in a league. No, hope, no, you know, they, I mean the, the guy you, you, from a blazer standpoint, you, you look at and you say that was Will Barton. Yes. That's,
0: and that's, you know, that, that's probably the, the one guy legitimately in the last 10 years that they probably would have wanted back.
1: I don't know if he even wanted it back. You, you made a move to, to, you know, uh, shore stuff up for the playoffs. And, and if I remember correctly, that it was like, a follow. Yeah. Yeah, it was a fallow and that trade like happened like right before West Matthews' blood. I think trade, it was three weeks. Yeah, yeah, which basically ended their ended that season for that team. Um, you know, so that was that's unlucky. Well, yeah, no, you like he wasn't going to figure in your plans, and you know, he he. Uh, I actually wrote an article about this at the time because um, uh, John Feinstein wrote a wrote a, a book. Uh, um, I don't know, twenty years ago, talking mm-hmm. about like a a year in the life of the PGA Tour, and this the part I found the most interesting about that book. Were when he was he was talking about the guys who are kind of grinding for dollars to try mm. to make cuts, to finish just high enough in the money list to to keep their tour card for the next year, mm-hmm. and and that's what I thought of when you know Will Barton got traded to Denver and got some minutes kind of at the tail end of his like rookie deal to prove that he should stay in the league to so that he, he should got get that the, the money yeah. No, just to, I mean, just to prove he should stay in the league and mm-hmm. not have to go to Europe or not have to go to the G League and just you know. And how many
0: guys that doesn't work out
1: for? Yeah, but just getting that chance. So and he he was never going to get that chance on that Blazers team. And no, so you don't. You CJ don't, McCollum okay. wasn't getting that chance on that yeah. Blazers team. and so you don't you don't say that. Oh, we wish we could have that one back. It's like no, he you know he wasn't going to get a chance here. He got a chance and good things happened for him. Good for him. Um, but you've got guys and opportunities for guys to get that chance and see now and passing that up to ride veterans into the sunset is who aren't going to give, give you,
0: I mean, the, the the expected rate of return on those guys yeah. has has a pretty definite ceiling that you, you know what you're going to get. And this, and this is, I think uh, the last question I'll ask you just uh, overall, when it comes to the young guys versus veterans, Terry Stotts is a guy that has favored veterans pretty much throughout his entire career here in Portland. Uh, it's not until usually your third year that you get on the floor and you get a lot done uh, as far as a young player. When you're looking at uh, uh, a Carmelo Anthony, a Rodney Hood, uh, NS Cantor, those guys getting those additional minutes. Holistically, when you look at that, why would a coach decide to go with that over the young guys? And how, like, what, what, what does that rate of return actually look like? Does, does that make sense? It's a horribly yeah,
1: phrased question. But... No. So there's there's a couple things going on here. Like, um, first of all, like um, it's not. I don't think it's it's purely a coaching thing. It's an organizational thing. Mm-hmm. So you know you have you have priorities as an organization, and that's that that's generally like generated kind of at the ownership level Mm -hmm. um, perhaps at the GM level. And so there's some, some priorities. And so like those kind of in some ways dictate to a degree, like your preference between like living with rookie mistakes and going with the, you know, the the you know the 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 devil you know almost of a, mm. of a veteran that has flaws, but at least you can you can count on him to be flawed in in specific ways. You know what you the flaws around. are yeah. and when they're going to pop yeah. up, and, and 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 certainly from I, I would say in general, coaches kind of coaches tend to be control freaks, and no. so and so that that sort of the the, um, the the guy who who maybe doesn't bring much to the table, but doesn't take anything off the table either, is preferable to them to the guy that's that's maybe. Does some things, but is a little wild. And you know, between veterans and young players, I think generally speaking, you kind of know who falls into which category. So there, um, and then there's also like you know, stuff that on the outside we aren't privy to, which is kind of the um, preservation politics of mm-hmm. of these organizations. And this is again, I have zero information about anything. That's this going is on grand in scheme front. generally. Yeah. yeah. So this, and that's, and those, by the way, those are those, that, that's, that's both the, that's like, both like, you know, front office and coaching. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what are you, it depends on like, what are you getting judged on? Like you can, you know, your coach, okay, I need to win these games. So I keep my job. Um, the GM, I need these guys to play well. So my moves look good. Mm-hmm. So there's those, like that, that, those kind of pressures can come into play also. So it's not. There, there, there's a lot of are you saying that it's not as simple as just play the young guy no. because the old guy isn't good no. and oh. then also i mean and frankly especially for a team where they have that has like as strong like a leadership as like you know what dame wants uh is going to carry a lot of and it, mm-hmm. rightfully so by the way yeah is going to carry a lot of weight so if, if if dame is saying you know i'd rather play with carmelo than anthony simons you know yeah, that's how it's gonna go, go. <laughs> yeah that, that 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 certainly that certainly is that certainly wins the tiebreaker i mean so, th-
0: th- so th- that's, that's the whole thing is like you you've been in an organization where you've seen these kind of dynamics at play it's not when i say you know this that or the other thing it's these are the things that happen within organizations yeah. not just the bucks this is league wide there are different yeah. levels of of ownership engagement gm engagement coach engagement there are Coaches like, I don't know, Pop, Spo guys who have long tenured and and title back that their weight carries more than uh, another coach. There are GMs who are more heavy handed. There are GMs that take a step back and take things into consideration. And those all of those things all all encompass how. And I've heard this a lot. What do you mean in response to when I've when I've offered an answer like this? Well, he's the coach. He gets to decide who plays and when they play and who they play with. Mm, OK. Is that true?
1: I mean, it's, it's like on a micro level, it's true. On a macro level, a little bit ubiquitous. Yeah. yeah I, in any given, any given night. Yeah. Um, you know, it's the, uh, um, the money ball references are probably, you know, overdone, but it's like, uh, you no know, lineup card is yours, but uh, you can't play, you can't play painting at first base. It's like, but what are you talking about? I just traded him. Like, you know, that's, you know, it's, you know, the, 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 again, like if 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 tonight Terry Stotts wanted to play Anthony Simons forty minutes, he could do so. Um, if that's not the organizational plan, he's going to hear about it at you know if the game ends at 9 nine thirty, he's going to hear about it at nine thirty two. Mm-hmm. So you know, and and you know, so there there's a certain kind of equilibrium that that gets reached or doesn't, and when it doesn't, those are kind of the situations you've. Read about which hasn't really happened in Portland that I can, which has been there. one of
0: the most consistent strings that we've had, even if, even when things have yeah. happened behind the scenes, they yeah. they have very seldomly reached public knowledge.
1: Yeah, like you're, you're not a situation where you're talking where you're hearing about a coach kicking a GM out of practice, which you know, you <laughs> occasionally read about in other places. <laughs> so, you know, yeah, there's a, like, there's, the, um, there's ve- like. Every level to together. Yeah. Everyone working well together is valuable, even if it doesn't always lead to the best individual decisions mm-hmm. that might, if well, I'm right and you're wrong. Okay, well, that, that worked this time, but that's How no way to run a railroad. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: Well, hey, I don't want to take up any more of your time because I already do I've already gone way over what I asked you for. <laughs> um, I could do this all damn day. Thank you for coming on, Seth. Absolutely. Um, please plug anything, everything, podcast, writing, whatever you've got going on.
1: Um just uh, ch- uh, check out my stuff on The Athletic. Uh, follow me on Twitter, at Seth Partnow. Uh, kind of at this point, the regular features I have at The Athletic is that I write kind of a, a quick look around the league on uh, Tuesdays, uh, touching on a number of topics uh, that kind of float my fancy at any given time. Um, my podcast, uh, Nerd She Wrote with Dave DuFour and Mo De Keel, uh drops Friday mornings. And I just started the series that we spent a lot of time talking about uh, talking about uh, shot quality, I started did the intro piece uh, mm-hmm.
0: um, was today. Saturday, oh, yeah, it's Saturday. Trust me, I, yeah. I trust me. I'm uh, yesterday,
1: I dropped the I dropped the intro piece to yeah. that yesterday, and gonna continue on with that that series over the next couple of weeks on Fridays. Uh, we are talking about like defensive shot quality, uh, different ways to measure it, um, individuals, players for whom it does and doesn't matter, and uh, <laughs> a number of other topics that I can think of as we go through. So. Yeah, those are some of the things to look forward for me in the coming weeks.
0: Awesome. And thank you, man. Uh, and just a, a quick note on the athletic guys. Um, technically, uh, uh, a competitor to mine uh, at NBC, I, I don't care. If, if you've got the the financial means and they do, uh, uh, what is it, a, a dollar a month deal pretty regularly, Seth? You guys have the, the, the Pretty regularly. I,
1: yeah. I, I, I honestly, I, I keep track of what the current deals are. This <laughs> should uh, It's bad Bad commerce by me Listen yeah. Hey
0: I, I I lose track Of what game days are The more you're into it The harder it is To keep track of things Sometimes uh, But if you've got The opportunity guys Go go. If, if for nothing else For Seth If you've got The, the Blazer-centric focus uh, Jason Quick Um does incredible work too. He, he does some of the best like personal pieces, the, the behind the scenes stuff, the understanding the, the mentality of guys in particular, the, the one he just put out about uh, my guy, uh, Ant Simons, uh, his, his mental development, uh, to go along with his, with his skills, um, go invest in it seriously. Um, stop screwing around with it uh and and you know support journalism (laughs) as it were uh in what is uh certainly weird times uh again seth thank you for joining man i really appreciate it go follow him at seth bartnell on twitter um subscribe to the podcast at the athletic also with friends of the show with dave and mo uh and for everybody else thank you for listening like rate review subscribe wherever you are uh thank you very much and we'll catch you next time bye i can't miss I'm in someone making no more